Now, welcome to the annual Leeds Endoscopy Quiz, which this year is sponsored by Pentax Medical. Now, we've got four participants. We've got Jamal Alasiri, consultant gastroenterologist at Wakefield, with Mo Thofiq, consultant gastroenterologist at Sheffield, Pradeep Mundre, consultant gastroenterologist at Bradford, and finally, Nick Burr, endoscopy fellow in Leeds. I'll be pairing these four into two groups to answer the 10 questions. And we've got a final decider question if there is a tie at the end. Good luck, guys. Yeah, so to recap on the rules, so there are 10 questions and you're you're in two teams. So Prad, you're with Mo. Jamal is with Nick. You get it right, you get two points. This is important for me anyway. You lot have all got your consultant jobs. This is like a worldwide <laughs> interview for me. Okay, guys. Question one. When endoscopy started to be used in clinical medicine in the 1970s or so, what was seen as the most useful application? Gastroscopy, colonoscopy, or ERCP? Oh, interesting question. Interesting, yeah. I think, thinking through it, you could image, you could still do contrast studies, couldn't you, the gullet and the bowel. But to actually fish out a gallstone, that was a real problem, wasn't it? So I reckon they thought, to get down to that ampulla and fish out a gallstone was the best thing to do with a fiber optic tube. And that is correct. Mo and um, Prad. First flexible endoscope was developed in um, which country? Germany, Japan or America? Who takes credit for it? Well, it's got to be Europe. It's to be local. It's got to be... I think the Germans did a lot of things with technology and engineering. The question goes across to... Nick and uh, Jamal. Interesting, a chance to steal at this early oh. stage. <laughs> I've got no yeah. idea. <laughs> we associate all endoscopes no. with, with Japan. Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon we just like it in old Japan, you know. I'd say Japan. And that is sadly the wrong answer. Oh. It's America. Oh. Yep. Uh, the xenon bulbs in the light sources are being phased out, as you know, they're being replaced with the new LED systems in the new endoscope systems. And that's a good thing because they had a tendency to explode uh, when they ex- exceeded their lifespan. They had that experience once, it's one hell of a bang. But after how many hours should the bulb be changed in the light source? Should it be changed after 500 hours, 1,000 hours or 2,000 hours? I, think I thought it was That's more... just a couple of your colonoscopies, isn't it, Pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? You know, on the light source, there is a little scale hidden where little yeah. lights kind of count down. And when they're down to zero, you're supposed to phone medical physics to have the bulb exchanged. They burn longer, but you're supposed to change them then because um, you, d- you don't want to have an explosion. It also causes damage to all the surrounding structures inside oh. the light source. So the repair can be extensive. Um, well, uh, a thousand or two thousand? A thousand um, hours. That question goes across to uh, Jamal and Nick. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 500 hours or 2,000 hours? Which one are you going to go for? Well, I think they like to try and make us change the bulbs as often as we can, even if we don't need to. So I'd go a low number. I like I like um, Nick's thought process about the money. You are correct. It's actually 500 <laughs> hours. Way less than you think. We're going to stay with uh, Mo and Pradeep. Uh, the endoscope manufacturers are unhappy with us adding cymethicone to the wash water. 
Is it because the chemical could weaken the channel? Is it because it can block the wash channel? Or is it because it can lead to buildup of biofilm? What, what do you reckon? I feel it's biofilm, don't you think? I'll, I'll stick with uh, Pradeep's gut feeling. And you are correct. <laughs> before the invention of the variable stiffness uh, colonoscope by Olympus, I remember some endoscopists preferring stiff shaft, while others preferred a softer, more pliable endoscope. If it was of a, of a cruel nature, you wanted a stiff scope, damn it. <laughs> of course, today we stand up on the shoulders of endoscopy giants of the past, but which guy actually invented the variable stiffness colonoscope? Was it Tony Axon, Peter Cotton or Christopher Williams? Did Pete Cotton write the book on uh, colonoscopy and uh, endoscopy? Y- yes. Sure, yes, surely, yes, yes, surely that's, that's the guy to put the money on. <laughs> and, and I'd, I'd go with Peter Cotton, yeah. Peter Cotton. Peter Cotton. And the question goes across to oh. Mo and Pradeep. I, I think we would have known if it was Tony Axon, wouldn't we? Williams is, is someone who's done a lot of work with uh, scope guides and Olympus. And I, yeah, it's most likely my gut feeling is Christopher Williams. What do you think? Uh, you are correct, Mo. It was Christopher <laughs> Williams. We're going to stay with you. What figure should we quote the average 55-year-old patient uh, about the risk of developing a bowel cancer within three years of a normal colonoscopy? One in a thousand, one in two thousand or one in 3,000 risk of developing bowel cancer in three years' time? Depends how long the, the light bulb was working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can tell you, Mo, if the light bulb goes, uh, if, if it goes, then there's a spare bulb inside the, inside the light source box. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not as bright as the first one, but it will give you emergency lighting to see your way out. Not many people know that. <laughs> well, if it's Jamal, then I would go for one in thousand. Let, let, let's go with one in uh, one in three thousand. Should we say? And you are correct. If you if the patient is has got inflammatory bowel disease and you do a colonoscopy, then you you quote the risk of something like less than one in a hundred. I think isn't that right, Nick? Well, actually, if we're getting uh, scientific about it now, the most recent Danish paper said that the risk is still very low, so it's one in a thousand, but they're un- undergoing a lot more colonoscopies, so your overall chance of having a post-colonoscopy cancer is high, but for each individual colonoscopy, it's low. Um, it's all very complicated. <laughs> Jamal Amit, the scope guide or the, or the scope pilot system, that scope pilot being Pentax and, and scope guide being the Olympus system, in the UK, we would call it a core piece of equipment in, in all UK endoscopy endoscopy rooms. But where was this piece of equipment invented? Was it in, in the United Kingdom, in Germany or in Israel? I think this was something that came out of St. Mark's, wasn't it? I think Saeed Shah used to work in Wakefield before you, Jamal. I think he was involved with developing this. Yeah. So I think we'll go UK. And uh, you are spot on, and uh, you're absolutely right. Syed Shah, he was, he did some of the core research around it. Below, taken from the internet, are three are quotes from three patient information leaflets from three different countries. 
uh, which are given to patients due to have a colonoscopy in three different countries, as, as I said. So the first statement is during your colonoscopy, you lie on your left hand side on an exam table, you give sedatives through an IV in your arm and you go to sleep. That's country number one. Country number two says, if you're anxious about the procedure, talk to the doctor or the nurse about your concerns and ask whether you can have sedation. Country number three says, <coughs> colonoscopy usually takes place in hospital under a general anesthetic and requires you to turn up without eating, drinking or smoking beforehand. America, France, perhaps is uh, the answer. Country number two is, sounds like you're giving lots of options. It's probably UK. <laughs> UK, yeah. Country B is UK. I think I, I think I agree with you. And uh, you are correct. Uh, number yeah. two, uh, if you're anxious, you can discuss it and uh, and ask whether you can have sedation. That's the UK approach. Country yeah. number. Uh, during your colonoscopy, you lie on the left hand side on an exam table. You get sedatives through an IV in your arm. And you go to sleep. Ah, this is this is Spain, I think, more. Yeah. Uh, you say Spain is actually incorrect. That question goes across to Nick and Jamal. What country do you reckon that was? I think USA sounds like the third one, although the smoking makes me think the French. I mean, that's a bad association, isn't it? We shouldn't be staring <laughs> France to the top one. France, yeah. No, 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 no. The top one is actually America. Oh. Yeah, so you went for the wrong one. <laughs> I can tell uh, you that the country has been mentioned already. It's probably France then. Okay. okay. And you are correct. Uh, the last one is France. Uh, France, of course, is general anesthetics for some reason. The, the French colonoscopy say it's not because they're rubbish at colonoscopy. They say it's because they're not allowed to give medasalam in France. Only an anesthetist can give medasalam. Five for girls, ten for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> now, final question, which goes to uh, Jamal and Nick. At colonoscopy, we refer to the lawyer's triangle uh, as an area in the colon. And where would that be? Is it the area which you only see when you retrovert in the rectum? Is it the area behind the, either the hepatic or splenic flexures, the blind, blind area there, or is it deep in the cecum? What do you reckon? Well, yeah, I, th I think where are the most missed, all those places are where you're most likely yeah, to yeah, yeah. miss a lesion, so it could, could be any of them, but what do you think about behind the ileocecal valve and the... It's down there, yeah. Tendency on our office. Well, I thought with the seat seeking with you, you've been uh, been on fire today, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say seekum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you are yeah, correct. I, it yeah. is it is the seekum. It's that it's the little triangle between the kind of the two edges of the ileocecal <laughs> valve and the appendix orifice, that kind of blind area, which you really have to put your nose in deep into the cecum, otherwise you miss it, basically. You both have seven points, both teams. We can now move on to the very last question, which goes to Mo and uh, Pradeep. In the examination, which of these drugs would you give first? And then I got the chemical formula of the three drugs. And one is a C22H28N2O. The second one is C18H13CIFN3. 
And the last one is C2H6OSIN. So uh, I, I guess we associate these with fentanyl. One in fentanyl, one is midazolam, and one is uh, dimethicone, which of course you wouldn't give IV. Dimethicone, dimine C2. Mo, do you think you can go with that analogy? No, I know. I only know C2H5O2H. I'm afraid that, that is the wrong answer. It, it is not C18. So that means Jamal and Nick, you can you can clinch it with one point if you get this right. Is it C22 or is it C2? SI in it, so we should go for the award. <laughs> Correct. I like it. And Jamal, you are absolutely right. It is C22H28. That is fentanyl, and that's the first drug you use. Well done. Yeah. Well done, guys. <laughs> you won the Christmas quiz 2020 by one point. Well done. Now, thank you for listening to our annual Leeds Endoscopy Christmas quiz. And we'll be back in two weeks' time with a news update. Bye for now.